0: yo what's up dr swole here md bodybuilder back with another episode on swole radio today i'm joined by coach alberto nunez who is a pro natural bodybuilder uh, an na- uh, internationally known coach at 3 mj and he is famous for his uh, physique and insane conditioning that he's able to bring to stage so thanks for
1: joining me today i appreciate uh y'all having me man and uh we can talk about i think a lot of it's going to cover contest prep which at this point is like my little corner like you know that's that's you end up somewhere and that that's been that's been my spot for for a while now so yeah no thank you man
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so today we're going to be focusing on aspects of contest prep that are going to apply mainly to advanced level bodybuilders and people who are interested or already competing So, yeah, I just want to start off sort of as a broad overview and sort of zooming in. Um, In terms of setting up a contest prep, what do you like to do in terms of planning things out? Um, I guess the diet before the diet, which uh, um, I know you're known for, and also just especially for someone, say,
1: who hasn't competed before. Mm. Um, So I think before we get there, like, to take a few steps back, I think a few prerequisites that, that I like to see is, um, I think about three years of, of just kind of doing this, like you know, being about that life, uh, being a solid gym rat, having you know good habits, uh, you know, all around that are conducive to uh, maximizing one's body composition. So that that would be the base, because I, I think now more than ever, it's the sport is just way more accessible, which hey, it's a good thing in regards to helping the sport grow. I think sometimes people don't know what they're getting themselves into and it's too much too soon so for starters that's that's i guess your ge requirements before we can kind of start talking about contest prep mm-hmm. um another one i throw in there is like hey you know at least two successful fat loss phases you know and it doesn't necessarily mean contest prep shape it just means like hey you know you're able to get to point where it's you know you were like some are good right and and you were able to manage that uh, pretty well, um, I think, especially when it comes to the psychological side of things. And um, and yeah, now we can start talking contest prep. Now it's like, OK, so you, you've, uh, you're you've you ready to take it that, that extra level. Um, and I think for first time competitors, because again, I said like, hey, Summerlean, there's Summerlean, and then there's contest prep lane, which is just a whole different animal. right? Mm-hmm. So um, starting position matters. Um, I think starting at a place where um, you don't have to lose 40 pounds like the first time I got into contest shape because um, you know, you you take um, about, I guess, average built in regards to bone structure somewhere around there um, and you have someone weight training long enough, hey, 200 pounds looked okay on me, you know. But then I just kept losing weight, kept losing, I'm like, I'm still not there, I'm still not there. Holy crap, this is exactly what I was warned it, it would be. Um, so in order to, to I think, first of all, ensure that we get there, also get there in one piece, I think the starting point matters a lot. And that is where I, I do believe that, hey, there is your off-season fighting weight. This is where you're the most productive. You can eat a good amount of food to make, um, Your recovery quite predictable. Life is also just a little bit more, um, I guess, chill, if you will, um, because we need a little bit of that. Um, You know, you hang around there, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's where you start your contest prep. So I do like to take people away from what is, I guess, their full house state, bring them down to a reasonable area, have them hold that for a minute, And then from here is where we launch off the the contest prep. And and that's usually going to be anywhere between eight to 12% above the estimated contest weight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And in terms of that sort of diet before the diet, in terms of getting into that shape, are your parameters any different from contest prep itself?
1: Like in terms of rate of loss or anything else? Uh, they can probably be a little bit more accelerated for sure. You know, um, you know, when you start that diet, your thyroid's going to be pumping and, and you know, it, it's uh, we're eating good amounts of food, so just like the difference in food volume, uh, it's going to come off quite rapidly. So, usually we can set that up in anywhere between like six to ten weeks. So, I guess, not necessarily a mini cut, but, uh, you know, probably, you know, I guess, it's kind of your standard fat loss phase, like almost like we're about to try to get ready for uh, the Cancun classic or something like that.
0: <laughs> Got it. And how about in terms of a maintenance phase before prep? How do you like to run that?
1: Yeah, because we arrived there, but you know, there's still usually anywhere between two to five months before we actually launch off the prep. So we're quite lean at this point. So we can expose ourselves to a quite, I guess we call it a reasonable surplus or a smaller surplus. Uh, But at this point, I do see it as a chance to kind of scan the physique one more time, what things maybe uh, we should dip one more time before we decide to go into the contest prep. So, you know, say it's like lats or, or calves, usually it's one big muscle group. Uh, or a big muscle group and a small muscle group that we really try to zone in on, put the finishing touches on that, um, and uh, and basically over the course of you know that amount of time, like still try to keep ourselves within those parameters of like eight to twelve percent above contest weight, but definitely uh, we still make that time useful to us and and take it as a chance to you know try to improve physique and one thing a lot of people learn by the time they get there is that oh, this whole like these specialization blocks, they work quite well because it's usually something that most folks, uh, they're kind of nervous to get going on because at a certain point, you know, you can't grow everything head to toe. So the best way to go about it is like, hey, all these other body parts, let's bring them down to about maintenance and let's really focus on, on these areas. And it works really well to their surprise. And it's always a nice reminder that, hey, maybe next off season what we should do is, uh, is, is just try this uh, a few times across that, 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 that full long off season. Um, so, yeah, it's about two to five months usually. Um, there is some weight gain for sure, but we still try to, again, we're trying to make that time valuable, but also not knock ourselves back to what we tried to undo originally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's actually really
0: interesting how I guess it's nice where when you get into that sort of striking zone range, when you've um, completed that initial fat loss phase it puts you in position that it it gives you a better assessment of where your physique is at. And I think one thing that um, is sort of underrated is that when your body fat reaches certain levels or higher levels, it becomes difficult to to know what exactly is going on. And I guess you could be storing a lot of fat in places that you might not expect.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know your body's way more transparent at that point, and there, there really is no muscle loss when you're, you know, dieting, say, for a male from like, we'll say, high teens down to low teens. So, um, so yeah, what we see is is pretty much we just couldn't see it all the way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then getting into the contest prep proper itself. What do you like to do in terms of rate of loss and does this change throughout prep?
1: Okay, so yeah. Um, so, you know, let's just say we have to work with easy numbers. Um, say we have 10% of our body weight that has to disappear to 20 week prep. Um, I would recommend a little, a little more, but we'll, we'll, we'll do it that way for the sake of keeping it simple. Um, so it's pretty straightforward, right? It's about half a percent of your body weight. However, this is not, it, it, doesn't work out that way it's not exactly that amount obviously coming out the gates we can lose a bit more rapidly uh in that middle ground um, is where you'll kind of see that you know half a percent like really show up uh and then towards the tail end like quite often there's not a whole lot like once you have anywhere between five to three percent of your body weight left um like sometimes it's at that point honestly it's probably best to assess um how much we're losing in in like two to four week blocks quite often Mm. because uh, often the best move is is the move you don't make where you just kind of sit there and you're like okay this cardio makes sense this is nutritional plan makes sense the calories are set in a place where we should be losing weight um and uh and it's it's best to just kind of let time do its thing and again that's another reason as to why you know even though the numbers match up really well hey 10 percent to lose 20 weeks out uh, perhaps it's it's nice to give yourself an extra little buffer where you're dieting for 24, 26 weeks, so you can sit around and wait on things uh, a little bit more, and not necessarily uh, be forced to make moves that you're not necessarily 100% sure of. Um, so, so, um, so yeah, so yeah, adding a little bit more time is again, it's going to ensure that we we don't have to uh, be forced into a corner where you know we're um, having to make moves pre prematurely because, um, you know, to an extent, every move you make, it, it's kind of, it comes at a cost, like for sure. It's going to make the contest prep like that much more in, invasive to the system. And, um, and and you're going to have a body that's just way less predictable. And then obviously we have a lot of untangling to do on the recovery side of things afterwards, right? So you want to make it as frugal as, as, as possible for sure. but um. But yeah, so basically, yeah, time is, is a great equalizer when it comes to this. And it might seem like a hassle to give up, you know, about half a year to your contest prep. But uh, at the end, I think it saves you a whole lot of time and, and frustration and, and helps you maintain your health, if anything. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And then branching out a little bit, what do you like to do in terms of refeeds? Ooh, um,
1: so typically, we start off with... Um, you know, five low days to two high days. That, that, that's pretty standard. It just works really well with most micro cycles in regards yeah. to uh, most people's schedules. It's a nice little um, setup where, hey, maybe Monday through Friday, you're grinding away with the rest of your life. And then the weekend, you know, you have off and we get to recover, it, eat a little bit more. Um, so we used to do, well, refeeds it will last 24 hours so you know once a day like every like three low one high something like that um but what what ended up happening was we started to see some weird trend especially during peak weeks where you know you were battering away at an athlete to try to get that last bit off and then you commence the peak week Usually, we would front load, which means you know, we load up early in the week, try to achieve that look early, and then walk that into the show. Mm -hmm. What would often happen is that, say, we're loading Monday through Wednesday, Monday through Tuesday, or something like that, they would start to lose weight, which made no sense. It's like, hey, we've cut down cardio, um, we've added food, and they're losing weight. So, a lot of it was shifts in water retention. and and it was there for years. We just didn't really think to like, hey, let's include this as part of how we get there. And we should have, because when you think about it, it makes sense that you know, like we always look at those folks who you know run those um, swing for the fences peak weeks where they're going to do eight different things <laughs> relative to, to what they did along the way and yeah. expect fantastic results on the other end. Um, so all, all along, like the data was there um, at some point, I'd say around 2014, 2015, we started to make that part of the standard dieting practice. And I think more so just for the sake of, um, I guess, yeah, just getting looks fairly early on in regards to how this person fills up, where's that threshold, like how they deplete over the course of the week and just being able to better manage that. but. What ended up happening is, yeah, well, we we got what we wanted there, but also there's uh, some benefits to taking someone through a contest prep and having water retention be less of an issue. So, you know, a lot of the plateaus that you think are going on aren't actually going on. Um, So the water is less murky and you can maneuver better through that. Um, Along with that, um, you're also able to Enhance recovery at a time where recovery is kind of spotty, um, and the way it typically works again Saturday Sunday refeeds quite typical. Is it you know the Sunday before we start the week uh, is is also is the last refeed day. We don't really do a whole lot of moving in, in a perfect world. Really rest and recharge, and then we're able to hit that day one of the next week of uh, that Monday um, in a good state to do some good work because it's, it's fundamental, like how you organize a microcycle in regards to training is like day one should probably be the most important day of your training block. You know, if this person really needs delts and shoulders, that's probably what they should be doing on day one. So it was a great way also to um, ensure that whatever it is that we pro- are prioritizing in this person's physique is also getting uh, some pretty good training stimulus. And in some cases, uh, when you set it up this way, um, you will even see some improvements in, in in those areas because, hey, again, like you're charging it up so that you can eat quite well. A few days later, you're still experiencing some of the residual effects from uh, the 48-hour refeed. Uh, so it's a win-win across the board. And it might seem like, man, that's a, few, that's a few too many steps back for me over the course of a contest prep. But I think at the end you win because, again, the water retention is less of an issue. So you're actually losing. Well, I've i, I have found, and so have my fellow coaches, that you're losing way more predictably, because again, you're not fighting those water retention demons the whole way through.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think the two-day refeeds are a really interesting concept. I like. I love the idea of them, and it's really interesting hearing how. I think um, like recently hearing uh, Bill Campbell saying that he he's trying to study, I guess the the 48-hour refeed a little more, mm-hmm. and partially because of just because of the fact that it's so versatile and I guess flexible in the week. And I yeah, I really like how it it first of all, it allows you that freedom um, in, in maintaining somewhat of a life as well and also in the the indirect way of giving you that um, trackability or practicing, first of all, being able to practice maintenance, but also understanding what your body looks like when you fill up on carbs. And I feel like it gives you a lot of data that across the prep, if you've been prepping for, you know, 20 or 25 weeks that you've had all of these little uh, blips of, um, of, of of carbs that have gone into you and you've sort of seen what your body uh, reacts, uh, how your body reacts each day of the, of the refeed and even in the days subsequent to that. So you really know what's going on when you when it comes time for
1: peak week. Something really interesting, once we 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 get into the deeper phases, like we're closer, say about five ish percent away from contest weight or below that, um sometimes we'll bring in a third day. So it's three consecutive refeed days and then four low days. And actually, uh, my buddy here uh, in in town, Brian Miner, a wonderful mind in in his in his own right. Um, I think towards the end of his contest prep, we had him on four highs and then three lows. So, which kind of makes sense because, you know, things are so much more volatile when you're that lean. Um, So, and again, it made training, like still look like training towards the end. Um, Water retention, which again, even a bigger issue, you know how it goes when you're that lean, you wake up and you're like, I didn't look like this, like last night before I went to bed and I'm supposed to be crispier in the morning, what is going on? Um, so you get a whole lot less of that, uh, especially when you're trying to lose like so uh, a small amount of absolute weight, but you know, water retention can zigzag up and down. Um, and uh, eventually you can get it to the point where it's like, whoa, almost every day, like I've run ratios with people where um, literally we're eating up into the show and it's like five uh, high days and then two low days. So it's almost like the inverse by the end of it so it's kind of like you know like how power lifters kind of taper the whole volume intensity relationship it's kind of the same way with the high day low day in many cases especially if we have enough time and uh how wonderful is that it's like you're three weeks four weeks away from a show and you're at a point where you're pretty much refeeding every day you're peaked every day it's like you can compete every day of the week if, if you wanted to so again like predictability is is a good thing like the more things that on my end as a coach i can predict are likely to happen as outcomes like the better off we are and this is, is again from like you know weight loss predictions fat loss predictions to what is going to happen over the course of a uh, peak week so so what yeah. goes no, into I'm, your, I'm, I'm, what goes into your decision
0: making process when you're deciding to Add in more briefing uh, days.
1: Um, yeah, so big one is level of leanness. I think also um, to a large extent is how advanced is the the trainee. You know, say with someone who um, is is quite close to their ceiling, it's like the easier it is to lose those adaptations. So. Um, the, the less exposure, uh, maybe they need, especially towards the, the later stages. So, um, so I think that's above anything else the the big thing. Um, also, how adaptive are they? You know, like it sounds kind of backwards, but sometimes with someone who's quite adaptive, it's like, hey, you need to pull them out more uh, frequently. Uh, a lot of the people who are proponents of like, hey, just linear dieting, no refeed, you'll see that quite often. They are. Mm-hmm. Like the typical male, where you know, like a lot of us were just—it's you only need one in the village, like realistically. So, so you know, we're we're not as resistant to, to weight loss, and um, while you know some of our side effects at the hormonal level are not necessarily fun, they're not nearly as 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 bad as what some women will go through. So, um, so that that's a big one. Uh, even sometimes, like we run things by how um a female cycle is going for example you know like if it's it's starting to kind of crash on us it's like okay well maybe let's kind of rearrange this a little bit and and give you more time away from from a deficit um so i guess the 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 refeeds are kind of like the when we write a micro cycle of training it's like hey there's got to be days off within the week so it's kind of the same thing with with a diet setup. um to kind of expand on that um we use deload weeks with our training like that helps and the same thing with uh, the diet break it's basically a diet deload over the course of that macro cycle, that is the contest prep.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah then going off of that, how do you like programming in diet breaks in terms of
1: prep. Um, I like to have them pre planned, um, most of the time, just because the athlete kind of know, knows it's coming uh, that way because, you know, you always feel like you're just a little bit behind. But if we have, uh, you know, the diet break is it's a 24-week diet and it's like, hey, we have one planned at the eight-week mark. We have one planned at the 16-week mark. It's like they kind of know it's there anyways. Um, so pre-planned for sure, somewhere between every six to eight weeks. Um, sometimes uh, when it comes to, especially with, with males, maybe the first 10 weeks, I'm like, hey, we can just do this and the refeeds that are already implemented in, in, in the nutritional strategy will kind of uh, prevent a lot of those uh, side effects we're trying to avoid from really manifesting themselves into anything too great. So pre-planned um, athlete profiles definitely matter. Um, and then obviously the length of the prep, sometimes you just don't have enough time with people uh, because of you know logistics in their own life. And it's like, okay, we might have a chance for one um, I, I personally don't like doing no diet breaks because it's it's definitely a game changer. Like I think anyone who's done say a peak week and didn't go crazy like the day after will tell you that, man, that was a different body. Like after we did the peak week, it felt like I was like I took off my backpack after a long day at school, you know. So, um, so yeah, w- wonderful tools. Um, I still think a little underused and Uh, often under people have intentions of using them but then once you get into it I think a combination of athlete nerves and 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 more novice coaches it's hard to pull that trigger you know it's like hey we're going to now go through a deficit uh right now and uh and often what ends up happening is like if anything like in I've, I've seen many cases where our weight loss has been a little slow we have the diet break and then like boom we lose a crap ton of weight there because of like all the all the edema we have been experiencing up until that point that we didn't really even know was there and then on the other side again you have a more predictable uh, body going forward
0: Mm -hmm. yeah Um, what do you like to do with your nutrition in terms of deloads do you line up diet breaks with them Mm, yes you can
1: that would be um, you can load up the diet break on a deload. Some people prefer um, on, um, say, maybe where the cycle really peaks out towards the end, where we're taking a few more sets to failure and really pushing it. Um, so it kind of depends. But yeah, I think being strategic with those is a, a good idea. And especially when you have an athlete that, again, when it comes to the training side of things, it's like, hey, you know, they're, they're putting up numbers that look like playstation numbers it's like man this dude's hitting sets of eight with 500 pounds on the deadlift and, and things like that it's like you you want to protect them protect that because that's that's what, what got him there and, and uh and yeah just how we kind of marry them in the micro cycle yeah over the course of our longer term planning it's, i think it's beneficial to line those up as well
0: mm-hmm. yeah and then moving on into the the more extreme part of prep a lot of people call it the digging phase or when people's, when things start falling off the rails, I guess, um, do you, what are your thoughts on sort of like coming to that, the, the edge of that um, phase in terms of body fat and waiting it out for, for the right time to strike? Or do you do anything in terms
1: of that? Yeah, man, that's, um, it's funny, we lose less people there. I think once you've made it to that point, there's less of a, you know, likeliness that you're going to abort the mission um so i love that part is because if, if they made it their chances are you know they're adhering to their diet uh they've been in the zone um because a good chunk of contest preps you know make it about halfway to two-thirds of the way that's just the honest truth so mm-hmm. when you go to a show and you see those people up there it's like hey you know what there's probably another 30 something percent of people who signed up for this show they just didn't make it for a number of reasons so i love that part on my end because i'm like okay let's really get cracking here um you know they've, they've made it this far um whatever I say, I think should go will most likely go and will be executed in such a manner. Um, but at that point, it really is, I think it's 50%, yeah, a game of making the right adjustments, um, which usually tend to be on the dietary side of things as opposed to cardio. I think at this point for most folks, um, maybe not as much the case with women, we've maximized like the whole, what well, we can get out of cardio um, and then step counts or a combination of both. Uh, so we're mostly picking on the dietary side. So it sucks on that end for sure. But again, they made it this far. So I'm like, okay, you know, whatever I say goes. But at the same time, um, quite often things are just moving a lot slower. And I think this is where more than ever, um what's happening at a visual level matters more. Well, I look at that first rather, and then I look at the, 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 the The weights and and what that's doing. Um, So yeah, um, it's it's a it's a game of chicken basically, where um, you know you want to make a move because the show's getting closer and closer. But at the same time, just kind of letting time do its thing is uh, is more often than not like my tool of choice here.
0: And then we we were talking a little bit about um, how things will change in terms of your rate of loss when things get really gnarly. Um, how do you go about tracking that and and programming that in?
1: Mm. Yeah, um, So I mean, shoot, I mean, in, in some cases, like half a percent of your body weight is is might be a two week process, you know. Um, i think usually at this point if the numbers make sense if i'm not running too close to and it's like say for example this person usually loses on 10.5 calories per pound i have them on like 10 even that's probably a bit too close but i know if i have them on like on like say 9 point25 9.5 calories per pound i like this has to work if they're you know they're doing their cardio they're nutrition mm. it's one of those things where you have to trust your numbers because you know, for the most part, we're kind of, sort of, within reason, um, just smaller versions of ourselves when you compare, like, the number of calories per pound we're on um, at our full house state, and then, like, in our striking state, it's, if you plug in the numbers, like, okay, this is what he was eating as maintenance at 2,000, this is probably maintenance at 165 pounds, they're quite similar at the end. So, I trust my numbers at this point. And more often than not, it's like a, a, like just sit there. There might be one dietary adjustment within, you know three to 5% away from contest weight in terms of body weight that we need to lose. Uh, But I want to pick my spot with that one and not use that until I absolutely have to because quite often it's been, um, it's happened especially early on as a coach where I'm like, you know what? I'm just not going to touch anything. I'm not going to touch anything. And whoa, look like that actually move in the direction we wanted to. And I'm, like, I'm so glad I, t- I didn't like touch anything. Um, Cause again, it's 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 more recovery on the other side. Um, you get a physique that's less predictable, the more you start with it, the funnier things it's going to do. Um, and then obviously training doesn't get a whole lot easier. And that's very important, especially if you are a drug-free athlete. So uh, so a lot of it, yeah, it's a game of wits at that point. And, and being able to stay chill uh, during a leg of the contest prep, when it's not the easiest thing to do.
0: Yeah, no, I think that uh, it it's easy to fall into that that nervous state where someone feels that they need to make more macro cuts just because they they haven't seen you know the more the the lower glute striations of the last week or two, and I think that at, in times like that it helps to have that knowledge of knowing that you're in sort of the right range of calories and that maybe you shouldn't be chopping things too drastically, especially when you're in in that, in the right zone.
1: Yeah. Well, I tell my athletes that if, if you ever, if I ever have to do something with calories two weeks in a row, I'll just go ahead and admit this in advance that I'm a little lost basically.
0: Mm-hmm. When do you like to uh, introduce cardio?
1: Um, With men, um, we can wait on that one a little bit. The calories, uh, the the tweaking those usually is is good enough. I think with women, uh, we will rely on that uh, a little bit more, uh, a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the adjustments earlier on come via that. Um, Hormonally, I think it just, it helps keep things intact. And then also just from what I've seen, it, it tends to work quite well. And then they seem to experience less fatigue, and I think usually just because you know, they're smaller, right? Um, uh, less, um, it, it impacts their training a whole lot less compared to, to, you know, when you really bring out the cardio stick with with men. Um, so, yeah, women, honestly, we might start the prep with like maybe they were doing two sessions during the offseason and now we're at an amount where, you know, we're doing maybe we, we, we've doubled that um, Whereas with men, it's, it's like, okay, whatever we were doing in the off season, we'll kick it off with that. Um, and we might make a few dietary adjustments before we actually add some cardio. So that, that one is a little bit more gender specific. Um, but to some extent, I'd say early on, um, maybe the first half of the prep, I will sometimes ask the athlete, what is more practical for you? What is easier for you right now? Because it doesn't matter nearly as much as later on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, um, individual variability within that. I know for myself, I try and get away with the least amount of cardio just because I
1: don't have the time to invest. Um, but yeah, yeah. that's You know, it's, it's way easier to like, you know what, let me just not eat 500 calories. Way simpler. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's interesting to hear about the uh, gender variability as well.
1: Um, I will say the step counts have It's uh, just not everyone has the time for that. Um, but I think it's a great. Uh, it could either be like for during my last prep, it was like my all my cardio was basically steps. We started at eight thousand, got to ten, and then towards the end we're doing twelve thousand steps a day. Um, uh, so I think that's a great tool um, for most people. That's not the most practical way of going about things. Um, like for example, say they're dieting somewhere where it's really cold, they can't go out there and you know get their steps in right. So. Um, but having a baseline of a uh, baseline step count, I think, helps a lot, and that's because you know usually, um, as you add more formal physical activity, and then you cut people's calories, like you will see this in their check-ins, like the rooms just get messier and messier. Like they, <laughs> right? Um, like think about what steps look like when you're like into a dying phase. It's like, oh, here we go, no elevator, right? So people just lose their drive to move. So sometimes step counts. Um, they just keep people in check with that. It's like, hey, you know, no, no, no you're not gonna be circling around like for 10 minutes looking for the close parking spot. Park over there, get some steps in. So all these little things that um your body figures out to kind of save itself from from what's going on. Um, the step count really helps um um yeah, with uh, some of the uh neat downgrade that most people will experience over the course of a contest prep. Way more predictable than when we just purely cardio someone. It's much easier to have some or oh, it's much more predictable to have someone on I don't know like 1500 calories of cardio a week and then it's like okay and then you have these 5000 steps on top of that that, that you must hit
0: mm-hmm. what increments do you like to increase cardio at and and what's your upper limit and also I guess uh, your thoughts on people becoming you know adapted to cardio mm-hmm. over time
1: mm-hmm. um so in regards to upper limits, honestly, it's going to look like some of the more uh, I guess terrible stories that you hear out there. like when I because you know usually I use I use calories simply because you know, say you're having you're having a slow day, fatigue, the weight room's been kind of sucking. then hey maybe I'm gonna do this treadmill at a six percent incline at three miles per hour as opposed to my usual three point five at an eight percent incline. so it gives you, you can kind of play with intensity there, right? Um, but um, so so, backtracking a little bit, um, list is, is usually the way we go about it, and how slow it is, it's kind of kind of up to the person. Um, so the amount of time you spend there can vary because you know maybe that four hundred calorie schedule for the day. Sometimes it might take on a good day, hey, thirty minutes. But today, you know what? It's going to be a forty-five minute day, and that's that's fine. Um, so when I kind of equal when I kind of um translate that over to like more, uh, I guess traditional or, or typical cardio recommendations because you know, most people just go with, with with time, um there are points in a prep where it's like, hey, we're basically doing cardio seven days a week, uh, and it might be anywhere between like an hour to like 90 minutes of total cardio. Uh, of course, I'm using like, working metrics for that but um but that's where someone might end up like during the digging phase we don't want to be there too early um but definitely during the digging phase in regards to a lot of the adaptations honestly if you take into account like body weight changes um a lot of them get kind of muffled out so i know for example when i was doing indoor cardio i got the start of my prep since I was a heavier person, say at 180 pounds, I'm like, oh man, I'm just like eating up these calories. And then when I brought it down to like, plugged it in as a 160 pound person, it's like, oh my God, this is like, you know, it used to be 11 calories per minute was easy. And now it's like, it's, 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 I've lost a huge chunk of body mass. So eight calories per minute is about as hard as I can go right now. So, um so I think if you take body weight into account when you're using calories as um, your main metric to, track um, how much cardio we're doing. I think that helps a lot with that. And it's not nearly as much of a problem as one would think, especially if we're, you know, again, we're mostly doing lists. Um, yeah. Yeah, sounds good. And then coming into
0: some uh, fun peak week discussions, how do you like, what sort of strategies do you like for peak week right now?
1: Man. Um, so if I don't know the athlete, we're definitely probably going to go with a front load or I just don't feel comfortable enough with him where, um, let's say we have that Saturday and Sunday refeed and it's like, Hey, we'll continue that. And then we'll maybe add a smaller one Monday, even smaller one Tuesday and kind of taper off and kind of try to keep that look while still regaining a little bit of the sharpness that maybe we lose after two full refeed days. Um so essentially it's like you get a person like 101% full uh, at some point during the week you let it taper off a little bit and you know you go for the 97 98% full. Um people who are much more predictable um I'll backload uh more often than cuz I kind of know what they're going to look like at that point. Uh also people who you know when they're spilled over they don't look that bad. Like for example Brad Loomis is one of those guys where if he spills over because of the kind of muscular separation he has in his specific structure, um, ah, his shins look a little bit blurrier, but it's like, oh, that's, that's whatever, you know? Mm. Um, so, of course, we're always taking into consideration the data, what the person's kind of predisposed to, how they're structured, what the division is like. Um, if I'm really unsure about someone, sometimes I'll depend on sodium a little bit more to, to basically get them that. Um, that transient like full look on stage. Um, but always take into consideration like what it is we did to, to, to achieve our best look, uh, especially over the course of the the last four weeks.
0: In terms of say someone that you've never uh, prepped before, how will you determine their carbs mm. for that week?
1: For that week, um, it's gonna reflect what we did during the, with the refeeds for the most part. Um, so it's going to be somewhere around there. Um, and, you know, because honestly, with some folks like, especially with, again, with 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 men, you can kind of spill them over like when, when you're doing the refeed. So it's, it's not just maintenance, but maybe a little bit above the maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we might tone it down a notch um, or we might bring it up depending on how, what they're predisposed to. Like some people clean up really quick after a spill. You know, some people just take a little bit longer to assimilate some like literally overnight, Um, some even look good spilled, (laughs) you know, it's like they might not like the way it feels They might feel like, you know what I've lost a little bit of sharpness like uh, in this little feathering here and it's like but dude, you're so much bigger and it's worth it, Um, which is something you have to remember in a subjective sport is it, you know, like sometimes, um, sometimes we're aiming for a look, as opposed to like what specifically said athlete likes the most on themselves, unfortunately. So, um, so, so, yeah, like if you have an overly muscular bikini girl, it's like, hey, maybe we're just going to kind of um, be a bit more on the conservative side and rely more on sodium just to have that like fresh and not stressed look. But uh, a peak week in general, like honestly, like what it's going to do is maybe increase and um, take it from 95% to as close to 100% as possible. So the big 95% was like achieved before. Um, where I will see changes that exceed 5% is in those people who are ready early, and we start eating up many weeks away from the show. It's it's a bunch of cool things happen. Uh, again, the water retention less of an issue. A lot of the muscle mass that we might have lost, we might end up because again, it's like muscle memory. Right, it's like we recover back along the way. Um, And literally you wake up every day of the week when you've been eating at maintenance for about three weeks to the point where you're like, I can compete Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it doesn't even matter anymore. Um, So that's where you want to be. And I think, well, you know, there's, you can do a good amount, you can do some good work during a peak week. I think as time goes on, I see it kind of falling out of fashion and more and more people going towards you know peak weeks where we slowly you know bring the physique back to life and it no longer looks like it got beat up in alley somewhere
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i think that being able to reverse into a show is ideal um how do you like to walk
1: back in um food it's funny because that's exactly kind of sort of what it is it's like i I don't necessarily like the reverse diet diet strategy post-show but i think when you're deep into a prep it it makes sense and that's something that back when the reverse diet was best practice a lot of people would experience like "I'm tapering my calories up slowly my season was over six weeks ago but now i look the way i wish i looked like during my show Mm -hmm. um so there's the whole generation of bodybuilders that like basically went through that for us so we, we must thank them in that regard, including myself. I think my first time I got peeled, that was my experience. I didn't want to let go of the shreds necessarily. I was so attached to them, right? And, um, and I remember it was my last show was in August and like November came around. I'm like, holy crap, like I look amazing. Every, like I would not have gotten last place in my pro debut had I looked like this, you know? So it makes that much of a difference. Um, in regards to how we get there, um, shoot, I'd say a 10 ish percent, an in increase, increasing calories, maybe every week is a good place to start. Um, a pretty safe place to start if I'm just giving general advice to, to you know, uh, folks out there and something they can implement. Mm-hmm. But often when I am working with someone, the, the first bump will be pretty assertive. And I try to close down like most of that, um, most of the, the the deficit that should be there so we're running by my estimation something like a 250 calorie deficit it's like hey you know what let's just go ahead and zoom up 200 calories i think sometimes if you have for example a super super like hey, typical male where it's like hey you just feed them a little bit they're all fixed and good uh sometimes like things pick back up and it's like all right because i'm that confident i'll actually overshoot what i think the surplus is and it's like hey you get 300 Calories 350, and I know that they might look blurry, watery, and messy for a minute, but they'll catch right back up. Um, so, first bump, the most assertive, but I think when in doubt, adding about 10% of your calories every week and giving yourself up, I'd say, anywhere between four to six weeks to taper things up is a good place, a good way to go about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I guess in the ideal scenario, you've been able to walk someone back up to sort of maintenance and they're looking fantastic you know every day of the week what will you actually do in the peak week proper or in the few days actually before the show
1: so we keep things steadier for sure um and uh more than anything we'll, we'll play with the water um so what's the best way to not hold water is to drink more water right it's like what happens when you're at your hungriest during a prep and you have your gallon jug with you it's in your constantly going at it is like, you're not holding water, right? because you're constantly going to the bathroom. So I'll probably up their water uh, by say 25%. Um, on top of that, to be more annoying, because you know your body regulates water um, pretty closely, it has to, right? Um, we will, I'll, I'll give instructions. So like, hey, try not to go like four or five hours without like water, like it, try to have it be pretty consistent and uh yeah you combine that with the fact that hey we're looking great all the time we're keeping sodium at a level that kind of respects what we're doing with the water because we don't want to wash that out either um and that's pretty much it it's just like it's how chill is that it's like hey, eat what we what you have been eating for the most part maybe we'll taper training down a little bit the last few days um and uh and just drink a little bit more water salt your food just a little bit more and uh and boom you're there and looking wonderful and then the day of the show it's more of a sodium and uh water management thing and, and it really is for like even a traditional peak week that's probably what's because if you're late on carbs man it's like you're late on carbs if you spilled over we can do some things but it's gonna be really hard to fix it and uh, people usually like flatten out in like really weird ways when they try to like pump out the <laughs> you know, the, the, the the spill um so um so yeah, yeah, mostly at that point, it's just water and sodium game. And, uh, and uh, tell you what, man, cause you know, you've kind of made it and you're looking your best pretty much all the time. Like talk about like the impact that cortisol has on like the way a person looks, like it just, it puts you in the most chill place. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I'll never go back to my traditional peak week, just knowing that I've been looking close to 100%, like the last four weeks so much easier. All I have to do is just keep doing what I've been doing as opposed to like, you know, digging more or wondering if I'm going to make it or what the peak week's going to look like or uh, what it's going to do. Um, predictability is, is is a good thing, way better than, you know, again, trying to throw that Hail Mary past and, and hoping that it works out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what specifically will you do with
1: sodium? So sodium will usually come up a little bit just so that we're not uh completely just dissolving ourselves of of uh our our, our sodium so just a, a smidge doesn't have to be a whole lot um and uh and and honestly uh, your body adapts to that quite quickly too so whatever you tell the athlete to eat usually something reasonable based on um just a few factors like physical activity where they live maybe things like that what they do for a living um just kind of keep that steady so it's like hey here it goes you're gonna have um two and a half gallons of water a day and uh, and uh, we'll say three grams of sodium, just linear um, and try not to eat funny foods as well. And, and yeah.
0: Will you give people
1: a shot of sodium on the day? Yeah. pre sage Absolutely. So that's, that's actually what happens to most folks when they're peeking at the dinner table, it's usually because I mean, yeah, like wow, that's a quick turnaround with carbs. Like if you know, those two slices of pizza like did that to you. It's usually a sodium thing. So um so yeah, about anywhere between 10 ish minutes, 10, 15 minutes before they're uh scheduled to get up on that stage. We'll throw the sodium in there. And uh and and man, yeah, it it really helps with the pump. And uh and, uh, and on top of that, like especially if you have someone who's not super predictable when it comes to the filling out, maybe they're not in the best shape yet. It's something you can really lean on to give the illusion of us being a little bit more full than the not. I'd actually say that cutting sodium is probably worse than cutting water.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that uh, it's easy for people to fall into that trap of thinking Peak Week is going to make or break their prep well. It it won't
1: make it, but it could break it for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we we've seen it. Uh, I, I know guys who've been trying to hit their peak for like a decade now, man. And and it's like it's pretty simple, man. But uh but yeah, yeah. Um and again, that's why during the peak week we try to keep sodium high enough because if you know that's too low, that can also create some weird problems as well.
0: So mm-hmm. As a sort of little offshoot of this, um, let's say someone is maybe like a model or something and they're doing a photo shoot, but they're not necessarily contest lean. Um, And they're going to do, you know, a mini cut and then step on, just step onto a set. Um, What would you recommend in terms of any manipulations at all in in that scenario?
1: Um, I think, you know, we might as well be using the whole refeed strategy. And um, I would try to time it so that maybe it ends up, let's just say you're, you backtrack your photo shoots on a th- Thursday. Um, you know, the whole way there, you, maybe you're refeeding Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday is kind of an optional low day or a, lay- a day where you get to see how quickly you sharpen back up so that you can, you can basically hit your peak. Well, actually, you know, move those forward. Um, photo shoot Thursday, you're refeeding Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday is, uh, is your shoot day, right? So you refeed in that schedule Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you can kind of monitor all these Thursdays along the way so that you can kind of um, try to mimic what did happen um, uh, during the previous weeks in regards to um, you know when you look best in regards to like having my best, my last meal th- these many hours away. Uh, how much like sodium, because I would still recommend that for a photo shoot, uh, pre-shoot should I take. Um, so again, kind of similar to what you do with a bodybuilder, right? It's just, uh, it's it's a photo shoot. And if you are doing a photo shoot, chances are you can be in pretty damn good shape to the point where, hey, you know, getting your water right, getting your sodium right, getting your carbs right, uh, you know, being full as opposed to stringy is definitely going to help your cause. So um, so yeah, it's similar in the day. You you want to, uh, the process is, is is just filled with all sorts of like wonderful data points and you know we we must not forget it's not just the process it's like we can uh, use that to help us decide how we approach things when we are um, you know going for that photo shoot or or you know trying to get on that stage and, and look our best
0: mm-hmm. yeah and i guess circling back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of the refeeds that this is where it's I find it's very helpful to have that data where, you know, going to prep or photo shoot that, you know, after two days of this many grams of carbs, I'm going to look like this and all I need to do is keep water up
1: and give a spike of sodium and I'll be basically ready. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh. yeah, predictability is a good thing. Like there's no... Um, there's, it's, it's just such a sexy cell that, like, we do all these things and, you know, we're going to go from like, you know, 100% to 110%, but what you're working with is what you're working with. And you just want to make sure that like all of it, like shows up like the, the day of. Mm-hmm. That's
0: actually funny how I find that. I think probably the most common question I get, like as a bodybuilder from lay people, you know, is, oh, so do you like stop drinking water and, like stop taking sodium and I'm just like no 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 that's that's not what we do anymore (laughs)
1: Um, my powerlifter buddies like they'll they'll weigh in like and and it kind of goes to show you how powerful a body dysmorphia is to some extent because they will deplete sodium and water to make their weigh-ins Right. And then they'll take a picture and they'll be like, look how great I look. And I'm like, bro, you look horrible. Like, mm-hmm. like you, you probably looked better at the start of the week, but because, you know, you feel like shriveled up and sucked in the assumption is, um, that I must look great. It's funny. Whenever I do, um, a show, like I know that me peaked almost feels like spilly, you know, it almost it's like that naughty feeling because you spent most of the prep, like, you know, and the flatter state, a little bit more depleted than usual. So I know that for me, looking good on stage actually feels kind of like the refeeds. It feels a little watery and a little different. So uh it, it, yeah, it's crazy how um I, I guess my lowest weigh in like of, of a prep, it's like usually I'll step on stage like a five, six pounds heavier by the time I get up and I look better and leaner. And it's because like you said, I'm partially filled up with social or or appropriate amounts. I'm using sodium and water to enhance that look.
0: Mm Going to take a a listener question. Uh, One of my subscribers asked about uh, body fat distribution. And uh, have you noticed that this people's body fat um, distribution changes um, after preps?
1: Um, Yeah, so and this is this is common in, in most folks. And uh, to me, it's a great sign of like how you're doing when it comes to the recovery side of things. But most everyone like post prep, they tend to store things in their abdomen, um, even women, which is kind of weird, right? Because that's not what they usually store. So sometimes the way your abs look like on the way down, they don't look that way on the way up. Your limbs are leaner than they usually are. Um, and it's funny because if um, you look at a lot of the research on uh anorexia recovery they see the exact same thing like it all just goes there um not too sure as to why maybe because it's i guess it's close to the digestive tract so it's like hey let's just store it in the closest possible place i'm not sure but um usually uh, to me that's one of the signs that hey we're recovered we're good we're hormonally okay is when you get to the point that you're storing fat like your usual self mm-hmm
0: do you find that those changes are lasting, or do you ever find that people's um, sort of the the order in which fat comes off in different parts of their body changes throughout
1: their career? Throughout their career, you might see some changes. Um, like I I think most everyone, it seems like, like over time, they just tend to store more in their midsection. Um, but they're generally small amounts. You know, if a female was almost always lower body fat dominant, it's it's going to kind of stay the same. And that guy that has abs at like, you know, 18-19% body fat, it's probably always going to kind of sort of be that way. So, yeah, there are some changes I've seen that with myself like my limbs um, are a lot leaner than they were uh, say 10 years ago at this body weight. But it's come at the cost of the midsection. The midsection holds just a little bit more. And most people probably couldn't notice, but you know how it is it's like it's your own physique, so you notice know and track all those little details. but uh, but yeah, I have seen that change over the course as people get older. But it kind of seems to plateau at a certain point for sure. It just seems to be like 30s, 40s and like after that it just kind of stays the same..
0: Mm-hmm. And just for fun um, for the audience, what's a crazy prep story? from your own experience that uh, Um, you'd like to share?
1: Ooh, so I think uh, two come to mind. Um, I think the first prep I I recall, I was on basically a menu where it was these foods and that was that. And I knew I lost it when I I remember condiment section, like that's where you go when you're starving. (laughs) I was looking at relish. Just relish because it was a pretty low carb diet. And I'm just looking at the relish and I could taste it through the bottle, and like the sunlight was like hitting the relish. In, and it just it was <laughs> it looked like the most marvelous thing on this planet at the time. And I'm like, man, what I would do to just crank open that bottle and just like eat this whole bottle of uh of relish. Um and then the other time would probably be uh a yohimbine. no no actually no i won't say that one um the other one <laughs> would put would, would uh well did you know that yohimbine is is used for uh, uh erectile dysfunction oh yeah it's yeah, kind of i don't think so yeah yeah so anyhow uh Quick, I'll let people put two and two together. But I was running for cardio that prep. And I remember I had to run back home in an enhanced state, and I had no idea what that was. So Johan worked. So <laughs> yeah. So um, but but the, the the one that just absolutely takes the cake was um I remember paying for gas because and I was late, I was in a rush paying for gas, just and I was in such a rush, not in my own head, not in like my normal state gave the guy a 20 um and got in the car and just drove off and left didn't even gas up so yeah so it's it's just i'm like i'm i I hit the freeway and i'm like first of all i'm late i'll make it but that's just too embarrassing to go back and be like yo dude i kind of just gave you money and drove off so so i just i i left him the tip and that was that
0: (laughs) wow yeah Prep, prep brain stories definitely definitely come it's amazing come you get me. sharper
1: in some ways though like i i do feel that like sometimes there's that sweet spot in the prep where you're just like the most creative and you're just you you get this obsessive mindset with things you know where you're like wow i've been on this in this rabbit hole for like five hours now like i am a, a internet expert on 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 these cameras now you know so i, I do enjoy that part <laughs>
0: And now I'm just thinking of the what, what the macros are in relish. I mean, I think it's pretty sweet. It would have been reasonable, to be
1: honest. I yeah. Done, but I think out of all the things I could have been, I think that would have, yeah. Honestly, during that prep, it probably would have helped things out in, in hindsight. I should have bought the bottle of relish.
0: <laughs> Actually, related uh, pickles are like my weird prep, one of my weird prep foods.
1: <laughs> oh, a lot of people <laughs> like the pickles, though. it's, it's oh, yeah. Uh, it's not weird yeah, at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a common one. Um, Yeah, no, I, I don't think I have, I like, here's one, I think people find this weird, but when I'm prepping, I like um, protein shakes a lot.
0: Mm.
1: So, you know, most people rather chew their food, but to me, it's uh, something about a protein shake that I actually find really satiating.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It well, it, it tastes like dessert
1: at that point, you know, it's like you're having like
0: a hot chocolate or something.
1: <laughs> it's one of the, yeah, it's one of the better tasting things you can have. Yeah. Um, so, but, but yeah, no, it's, it's an adventure and it's, uh, it's one of those things where you can't really appreciate a good prep story until like you've kind of done it yourself. And because you can see yourself doing all of the above usually.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And winding down here, where are you now in your, in terms of your own uh, competition season?
1: Mm. Um, so, you know, this next year would have been a, a nice year um, and we'll see, we'll see simply because, you know, with everything going on um i think people are just gonna rush to compete since you know whoever was, was skipping a year is probably gonna go this year and whoever um was planning on this year it's like well this next year is the year so um that's probably the part that has me thinking like man lineups are gonna be so so stacked um so that excites me um but again we'll play by ear because i i don't want to be in that situation where it's like okay, like things got moved once already. Like, okay, here we go again. So um, so twenty twenty two seems more reasonable. Um, nevertheless, right now we're in the off season. I am actually I started a cut uh as of like officially officially as of yesterday, yesterday. And um and mostly because I can't fit into my lifting belt anymore. So that was like the primer I gave myself. I was like, okay, once you can't fit into your lifting belt, then it's time to to cut down so uh, i'm gonna cut myself down and it might be the setup diet we'll see so uh or it might just be like um i guess the setup for the next gaining phase so that's to be determined but we're going through a cutting phase and um yeah i'd like to lose about 10 pounds maybe 12
0: Mm -hmm. great yeah well that's been a really fruitful discussion today and i really appreciate your insights and the uh Solid recommendations that you shared for a lot of athletes and coaches out there. Where can people find you?
1: So 3dmusclejourney.com, and we have a little bit of everything um, and we've been doing it for a while. So, and and honestly, I'd say uh, what I'm most proud of is the fact that hey, we, we blend science, the holistic side and then experience. So, um, so 3dmusclejourney, I am most active, uh, 3dmusclejourney.com, I'm most active on Instagram. And that's Nunez, 3DMJ, um, and um, let's see here, and and, and yeah, yeah, and, and YouTube. We do a little bit of the YouTube as well. I think especially, especially of late, I I vlog. I have been vlogging the last few weeks, um, and yeah, we try to have fun with it. So just be warned that you know, along with dispersing information, it's, it's a lot of sophomore humor along the way, but uh, you got to keep it lighthearted, man. We, 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 this started out as fun. So I like to keep it that way.
0: Yeah, that's how it should be. So
1: thanks. Thanks again for coming on. Hey, no, appreciate y'all having me. In. And if you ever want to sit down and talk turkey again, man, we'll definitely do that. That's all for now guys.
0: Thanks for listening.
1: I am available
0: on a very limited basis for one-on-one coaching. I'm not cheap, but if you are really serious about taking your physique to the next level, DM me the word coaching on Instagram. For more science-based bodybuilding content, look up Dr. Swole on YouTube, and we'll see you next time.